everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm the hands behind Lovecraft Crochet, my plush user for the anxious, depressed, autistic, and neurodivergent. Small enough to travel in a purse, backpack, diaper bag, or even your pocket. You can check out my Facebook page or TikTok to see what patterns are available, and stay tuned for the new ones coming out. I also make hats, scarves, blankets, and dice bags for the tabletop gamer or dice goblin in your life. Feel free to order through the page, TikTok, or via email at love.craft.crochet.com. Now, back to the segment. Due to the graphic and disturbing nature of the crimes discussed, listener discretion is advised. Retrostatic Radio presents Killing 15 Minutes. Hello and welcome to Killing 15 Minutes, where we will give you your serial killer fix in 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. I'm Sam Rossi, and shortly I'll be handing a poorly written synopsis of a serial killer to my brother, who hasn't read it, on a serial killer he's most likely hasn't heard of. This should be fun. Good luck, bro. If you hear a smacking sound, that's Sammy eating some hostess. No, it's not an ad, but it should be. That's hostess. Donuts. Chocolate covered. When you got the munchies... And you got no money. (laughs) Anyways, thanks, Sam. We're going to jump right into Michael Sharp's life. His first known crime happened in March of 1975. When was he born? You said we were jumping right into his life. When was he born? We don't have that information. Okay. His first known crime happened in March of 1975 at the age of 20. When he broke into a woman's home, tied her up, and then robbed her. Sharp was arrested a few days later after witnesses gave a pretty great description. I mean, it was a few days later. In these cases... Yeah. He was tried and convicted for... He was tried and convicted to 15 years in prison. Early parole was granted in mid-1979. He then moved to Odessa, Texas and got a job as a tool pusher on an oil rig. What's a tool pusher? I'm pretty sure it's the person that goes around and fixes things. I mean, that would make sense. like, Or he'd like deliver tools. The name sounds like, okay, I kind of get what his job is, but at the same time it's like, like, really? That's what they call that? Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He was a respectable man, according to his friends and family. However, in June of nine, yeah, June fourteenth, nineteen eighty-two, Sharp was at a car wash when he noticed Brenda Broadway with her two daughters, Selena and Christy Elms. We talked about this. Don't bring me shit like this. If this goes where I think it's going, what I tell, what I tell you. You're right. Threatening them at knife point, he forced them into his truck and drove outside of Kermit, Texas, where he raped Broadway and Selena. At some point, Broadway started praying out loud, sending Sharp into a rage, with a quote, There could not be a god if he allowed people to suffer like this. End quote. He proceeded to stab Broadway and Christie to death. Selena naked and barefoot, ran away and found help at a nearby oil field. 
Once police arrived, she gave all the information she could. Her mother and sister's bodies were found in a shallow grave. The sketch led to Sharp being a suspect after multiple tips. A warrant was then issued and Sharp fled the area. Sweetwater police got a tip that a man looking like Sharp was on a bus to Louisiana. Sharp would then be arrested with no issue. He was charged with kidnapping and two counts of murder. How does no bail for murder, but 200k for... How does that work? How does no bail for murder, but he only, he has a 200k bond for booking. So he gets bail for... Does it mean that half of him gets the bail? I don't know. Like, like, I, I get it on the books. They have to be like, officially, you know, for kidnapping, you would have, you know, we would set the bail at 200K. But for murder, you get no bail. So So I'm going with, they have to go with no bail. You think it's just a clerical thing? They have to do sort of like the, you have charge. Yeah. You have 23 life sentences. For clearly, it's a to have it on the books. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. He was found guilty of Christy Elm's murder and then sentenced to life. Selena gave Selena gave testimony at both trials. For Broadway's murder, he was then sentenced to death. See, just on a showing level, I would probably switch that around. Where Broadway would be for life, but then their daughter or her daughter... Right. Because that would be the more heinous act, so it would be the... To me, this it would have been. Should... Yeah. But I think that's also another clerical thing, where it's like, if the Broadway murder was first, then they couldn't sentence him to die there. Or if uh, the... You right. Know what I mean? Makes sense. If Christie's was first, they can't sentence him to death twice, sort of a thing. Well, they could, but... No, that's fair. It's Texas. Oh, then in that case, they'd uh, kill him, resurrect Kill him, zap him back to life, just to kill him again. As God intended. The police suspected Sharp for the disappearance of Blanca Guerrero in May of 82. She was seen getting into a truck similar to his, but at the time no connections had been made. During his wait for his second trial, Sharp did give a detailed account of her murder and where to find her body. He was never charged for her murder, however. I mean, granted, he was on, you know, he was pretty much fucked anyways. But that's not fair, right? It's, a, it's again, bringing back the clerical thing, where it's like, yeah, it's, I get why he would not be tried, because they wanted him zapped and tagged and out the damn door. Which makes sense, and it does cost money to run a trial. Yeah. But then again, that's also because we have a for-profit fight. No, we're not doing it. I'm not going to bring politics into this. I've brought politics into the last couple episodes. Sharp stopped giving information after an article was released about his involvement in Guerrero's death. See, that's weird to me. I'll get into that for our discussion section, though. On November 19th, 1997, Sharp was executed by lethal injection. Oh, man. I kept making zappy zap jokes. They should have been stabby stabs. He posted a three-page statement about his born-again faith and his opposition to the death penalty. You know, it rarely is the people who aren't up for death penalty. Like, And that's the end of that chapter. 
So the reason I say that it's weird, he was never charged for Guerrero's murder, but he stopped giving information. He didn't want, um, what it was is he didn't want his uh, kids to know further information, further about his crimes. So he wanted to keep them quiet. So he gave the one that one, and when it got out, he wasn't going to give up anymore. Okay. So you're thinking that there were more murders? I think there was more. Oh, and you think that it was one of those things of... I think he was a continuous... I think he was a true serial killer in the fact that there are more bodies. Right. No, that makes sense. Although it's weird that, you know, because usually when a serial killer, especially ones that have a huge body count... Some of them... A lot of them, like, well, you, they, a lot of them go born again because it's the best way to turn around. And I'm not using... This is not a shout against the faith at all. But a lot of people, especially inmates and whatnot, will turn around and become born again, not because they have faith. Because they have a lack of. But and because they're trying to... It, it's not even like they're trying to get into heaven or anything, but it's the best way to get people to rally behind you, you know? Oh, sure, he raped and killed some people. But look, he said he's sorry about it, and he, pr and he said it on the Bible. And because my faith is strong and innocent... I'm not saying ignorant, I'm saying innocent, where you want to take people turning to your faith at face value. Right. It is an innocent faith. Because you don't want to turn around and be like, well, no, he's totally not a non-believer, despite the fact that he did these heinous things in his past. Because forgiveness is a major tenet that a lot of people forget. But, like, you know, he, he, he found born-again faith and it could just be the heinousness of the because again, uh, anyone who's been watching now or listening knows that when it comes to kids, those are the ones that I rarely can not, I can't joke about them all too much. You know what I mean? Because to me, it's no, it hits home, but yeah. And also, you didn't bring up that this dude had kids. Sorry. You also didn't bring up when he was born. You jumped directly into his life, which was actually directly into his crimes. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you were stoned at the time. <laughs> yeah. That's Sammy's that. excuse for everything. Well, I was stoned at the time. Hey, hey where's my right. truck? Well, I was stoned at the time. But anyways, you, with how brazen, he, like, yeah, he was brazen in his activities and when he kidnapped them. Yeah. Which shows to me that you're, I think you're right, that he definitely had to do it before because at the major crime that he's being charged with, not, not Godero's death, but you know, he's being charged with their murder and kidnapping. That is the not necessarily the end. It was the end because that was when he was caught. But you know what I mean? That is the like end of the escalation. That's not that's not, hey, I was just driving and I thought you were cute, so I'm gonna rape you and your daughters. Right. So it's like So it's like like you know, and then with the Guerrero thing, it's like, okay, so he did do this before. So we can actually, 
and this is again just an inference and extrapolation because right and i think it's where your brain went which is why you were like oh i totally think he did more of these is because we have two points on a chart in theory right the guerrero killing and the broadway rapes well broadway elm rapes. right you know what i mean and one's down here i mean he still did something similar you know, but that's down here where it's like, okay, this would be like the first six months of someone being active. Yes. That, and this is, again, just going off of an inference for what we've seen in the past. And even if you don't know anything about serial killers and you've been listening, you can see where, you know, someone like Guerrero's death would be an earlier or mid. It would be. It would, be, it would not be his last. Nor his first. Yeah. Whereas... It's definitely not his... It feels definitely not like it's first murder. Whereas, you know, Broad Daylight, because isn't that what happened with, uh... I think it was Broad Daylight. For Broadway. It was Daylight, I think. Well, I mean, he was at a car wash, and I don't... And it could just be that I'm not foreseeing a mother with her two children at 8 p.m. You know, the sun just went down going, you know what I think we need to do? You need to go get a car to, wash. They're not a 70-year-old man with their truck. <laughs> oh, man. I drove today. Hit the car wash. Yep. But, you know what I mean? But so brazen of it. Even even if it was... And it was too... It was too much... Too brazen. Even even if you look at it from... Okay, maybe it was his first. He had, he, he used his knife to get three people into his vehicle. Yep. Which isn't... Who has the... It's a confidence thing. And that's really it. Like, he could be confident as hell, but not for your... Again, this could just be because of... We've covered so many serial killers, so we do start seeing a pattern. And it's why, you know, things like um, the behavioral analysis... Uh, BAU? Whatever the... But what any mind hunter really, you know, any real forensic psychologist, that's the word I was thinking of, <laughs> behavioral psychology, looks at. It's not about one killing. You know yeah. what I mean? You can extrapolate assumptions based off that one killing. But you need you need more of the pattern. And if you see something like this, which comes off as more spur of the moment, if you did not know about Guerrero... This is a spur-of-the-moment sort of... Yeah, but... But with his friends being like, oh, he was great, he's fine, you know, shit like that. His pre... You know, his previous crime that, you know, that he was arrested for. Right? Wasn't yeah. It? It was, I believe robbery. Yeah. It would not escalate to immediate kidnapping. Now, you do see a lot of people with, you know, schizophrenia or psychotic behavior go into petty crimes like robbery, breaking and entering, shit like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone we've covered before, pretty much, has had petty crimes, then it escalates to murder. Right. But, you know, he, he no one was linking him to any break-ins at the time. Nope. No one was linking him to being creepy. Nope. Because even the people who were like, you know, oh, Ed Gein, he was a great neighbor. He was a really nice, but quiet kind of guy. From what this, you know, from what this says is that 
He was outgoing. He was involved. You know, he was... He was a pillar of his community. No, that was the last guy. Oh. <laughs> the last guy was the crossbearer. Oh, yeah. Two, two times? No. No, it was the last one. It was Germany. No, no, no. The no. last one was Argentina. Oh, you're right. You're right. Then it was... Right. The forgotten cannibal. He's so The people pickler. The people pickler. You're right. But anyways... I... These kind of people grate on me, and I realize it's 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 strictly academic that it grates on me. I, obviously, I'm not talking about the rape part. I'm talking about sharp. If you look at Sharp's trajectory, as in you can see where it comes from to where you know he got right. caught, you can see that there's he's miss. It's not that he's miss. Well, it is. It it feels like you're missing. More to the graph. Yes. You know. Okay, the robbery's fine. What was his... And, and not everyone ha needs a real, this is my trigger moment. But most serial killers, all serial killers, have a, this was my trigger moment. Yep. Even Dahmer. Even Gacy. Mm -hmm. Even the dude who just fucking killed his girlfriend. No, I'm not talking about the footballer who killed his girlfriend. Well, ex-wife, or then-wife, and her friend. I'm not saying who, but All I'm right, saying anyway. you could see an inciting incident that causes that. Because even before those murders, there had been times where he's been extremely violent, or he'd snap, or, you know what I mean? There was something. Yeah. It wasn't just out of nowhere activity. Whereas this seems like one day a random dude went, you know what? I need to get me some rape in. I only have a knife, but that'll work, right? I know I make it sound so blase, but that's kind of what it feels like. It does. It totally feels, that's what my thing is, is that the confidence it takes to get three people out of their car, the... Ability to control those three people to the point where you can drive them to a deserted area, rape two of them before, you know, snapping and stabbing two of them, allowing a third, the third to get away. Especially with the way he snapped at the way uh, when uh, Broadway brought up, you know, starting to pray or Broadway starting started praying yeah. and then he snapped, you know. God wouldn't let this fucking happen. That sounds like someone who's done it before and had that same conversation with himself. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I totally see what you're saying. This one actually had a lot more meat to the uh, discussion than... Love it, yeah. I'm sorry for the last couple episodes of discussion. But even this one is actually... And here's... This is going to be a weird thing and you can keep it or cut it. I don't know. But there's only two pages for this one. Well, three, you know, front and back. But we had three for the uh, Argentinian vampire. No, 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 we had two for that. But this is one of those things where it's like, well, why is this serial killer more interesting than others? You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, this guy thought he was a vampire. Yeah, but he didn't. <laughs> I can't say he didn't do a lot with it. What was uh, 15 women? 
something like that. But that would also lead to the like urban legendy part of it. Right. Because it's like fifteen women is fifteen women. Now, if they, you know, if they were all prostitutes, I could kind of get it because of the stigma against prostitution and sex work. Or all right, we're back to the vampire. Apparently. But anyways, long story short is the reason that, and I think this actually is a fundamental thing, the reason that true crime podcasts, be it our wacky style, or be it the more popular, you know, ones that actually have a format and likability and listeners and a budget and a crew that actually edits. I'd like the crew to edit. Look, I just want to make enough money so that I don't have to edit. I just don't want to edit RSR anymore. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. All right. I myself. All right. What do you want to say to the lovely people? My lovely people. <laughs> I'm Sam Rossi. Later, y'all. Yeah, I mean, you carry. <laughs> Killing 15 Minutes is hosted by Arthur Carey, with scripts written and researched by Sam Rossi. If you like this episode or want to stay updated on this series, consider following Killing 15 Minutes on Patreon or Retrostatic Radio on all major social media platforms. Good night and God bless. You're watching Retrostatic Radio.